Corrales, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It sure feels like one of the biggest weeks we've had in Arizona sports recently. Super freaky week, I guess you could say, right? We got the Super Bowl tomorrow. It's in Glendale. All the events that have been going on this week. You got the KD trade, Matt Ishbia taking over. And I'll, I'll lead with this. I think the best thing that Matt Ishbia did as the owner of the Phoenix Suns, and it's only been a couple of days, the best thing he's done has nothing to do with Kevin Durant. Hit me. Yesterday on our station, Jerry Colangelo, former owner of the Phoenix Suns, says that Matt Ishbia called him to ask if he would be his mentor. Before the actual announcement, Matt Ishbia reached out to me. He wanted to make contact. We had a great meeting. I got to know him somewhat. He wanted to engage me as a mentor, quite honestly. And uh, and then his brother, uh, Justin, who will be part of that front office team in ownership. Um, I'm very impressed with these two young guys. I really am. I think it's a breath of fresh air. I think the fans in, in Phoenix are, are going to be well served under this new leadership. Okay, can you remind me again, how long have Matt and Justin owned the Phoenix Suns? Uh, days. Just a couple of days. And they're already in the good graces of the godfather of Valley Sports? Yes. Pair that I, with... What What more do we have to say? Pair at that point? with at the press conference. Remember who was at the press conference? A lot of Phoenix Suns legends. Now, some of a them lot, are around the yeah. team all the time, like Tom Chambers, I get, and all that stuff. Not to take away but like from Tom K- Chambers. KJ's not always around. KJ right? was there. Sabalos isn't always around. They got a bunch of dudes who were there celebrating the past, some of the greatest memories that we have as Suns fans. So Matt Ishbia, right out of the gate, to make himself beloved to the team, not only does he trade for Kevin Durant 12 hours later, but he's already pairing up with a lot of Suns legends, some that, like you said, we haven't really seen in a while. Mm -hmm. He's calling Jerry Colangelo, who is probably the man that I respect the most in sports. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, and I haven't been asked this before, who is like the guest that you've had? Because as producers in the past and, and as we host, talked to a lot, we've of talked to people. a lot of people that are right. way above me. Like I'm like, oh my god, how am I talking to this person? <laughs> and people are like, who's the most intimidating person you've ever talked to? And there's really three names at the top of the list for me: uh, Roger Goodell. But I wasn't really intimidated by that because I think I'm smarter than him. <laughs> uh, number two was Bill Belichick. I was horrified to talk to Bill Belichick. But then he was the nicest guy ever. Made zero sense. I got calls for days from people in Boston asking me how I got him to open up like on our show. Uh, the one that I'm most intimidated by and respect the most is Jerry Colangelo. Seven or eight years ago, he came in studio for an interview. Uh, we were doing, you know, when we bring guys in, basically the car wash. It's mm-hmm. just interview after interview after interview. And he was waiting in the newsroom. Oh, Newsmakers Week. Yeah, yeah, Newsmakers yeah. Week. And I went, I sat next to Jerry Colangelo in the newsroom, and it was just him and I talking for probably like 15 minutes. And I didn't have to say much at all. Not that I could bring any sort of value to that conversation the way that Jerry could. And he walked me through... Literally, he was telling me the story of how he used to, in the beginning with the Suns, he would sit in his office in the arena downtown and look out the window and over the years watch the city grow around the Suns building. Wow. And it's such a simplistic idea, right, to own a business like the Suns and to watch the community grow around them. 
But to hear that from Jerry Coletto and to hear him talk about bringing the Diamondbacks to town, bringing them downtown, trying to bring the Arizona Cardinals to downtown Phoenix, obviously that doesn't end up happening for political reasons and whatnot. But Jerry Colangelo is maybe the most respected man in Arizona sports and honestly one of the most well-respected men in the NBA. People like Kevin Durant, like LeBron James, isn't, like Kobe Bryant. Isn't he the, like, the president of the USA team? Yeah. He's in charge of Team USA, the greatest assortment of basketball players on the planet. Which, they answer to him. Which Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were very much a part of in the 2021-2020 Olympics. Now listen, trading for Kevin Durant, it, it's the biggest trade in Arizona sports history. It's one of the bigger trades I've, I've ever seen probably ever in sports. Matt Ishbia making that deal is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I can make an argument that getting on Jerry Colangelo's good graces and just using him as a mentor, as a resource, is even bigger to me. That's because that's the, one thing, that's the one thing Robert Sarver never could have done. Robert Sarver could have okayed the Kevin Durant deal. He could have even thrown in Jay Crowder. He could have said yes to trading all these assets. He could have said yes to the 40 extra million dollars in tax dollars he's going to have to pay, the luxury tax dollars. He could have done all that. I don't think he would have, but he could have. No. The one thing that Sarver never could have done is call Jerry Colangelo and say, I need you. I want to learn from you. I want to soak up some of what made you so beloved in this market. Robert Sarver never would have done that. Matt Ishbia did it before he even owned the team. That's a man who understands what he's walking into. It's yeah. a man who did his research. That's a man who shows that he cares. Granted, Matt has been looking into getting a franchise for years. Now, I'm pretty sure he was involved in the uh, attempt at the Clippers purchase that eventually went to Steve Ballmer. Right. Uh, the Hawks changed ownership recently as well. I mean, even Joe Sy is a relatively new owner in Brooklyn. Right. He was well prepared for this. Matt was. He was doing his research. He was understanding what he was getting himself into. He understands what the Valley needs, wants and deserves. And that speaks volumes about what he's going to provide. He he said it himself for like the next 40, 50 years. He's a young, young owner. He's only in like his late 30s. He's going to be around here for a while. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. How cool would it be to see Jerry Colangelo on some level back in the building? And I'm just talking physically in the building. I'm not even talking about a role in the front office. I don't need him to be running any part of the business. And I don't even know if he would want to do that because his his chapter with the Suns, I mean, I think he would even agree. it's It's been over. And it's time for somebody else to take he's, the reins. He's sitting back and watching. I mean, pretty soon he'll step down from his role with the USA. But I'm sure that he loves nothing more than to just be a phone call away for somebody like Matt Ishbia. Of course I'll be a resource to you. If Jerry Colangelo was willing to talk to me, some dude he doesn't even know, some 23-year-old at the time that he doesn't even know, for 15 minutes in the newsroom about how he tried to grow the Valley together around this one team sport, if he's willing to do that with me, imagine what kind of things that Matt Ishbia could gleam off of him. I think that that what he did by calling Jerry Colangelo was in some ways bigger, more important than the Kevin Durant trade. Because it shows what kind of owner he's going to be to me. And he may not be as good of an owner as I hope. 
That's entirely possible. By the way, the Goodyear blimp is driving. Well, he's flying right by our studio as I speak. He's off to a great start, I will say. Sorry, I got totally distracted because the Goodyear blimp is like literally 300 feet above us. That puppy (laughs) is going to be over State Farm Stadium relatively soon. I'm sure they're just getting familiar with the area. Anyway, so many great things to say about Matt Ishbia already in the couple of days he's been owner. I think this this is just the cherry on top. The Jerry on top, if you will. (laughs) The Ben and Jerry's on top. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get you I can't out. stop myself. Sometimes. I'll get you out of trouble. Coming up next, a lot of people have told the Cardinals no. So why are they telling people no? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Mitch and Steve, as the big voice just said. Here on Arizona Sports Saturday, hour number two here in the Auction Community Studios. Trevor Henry behind the glass. I don't think I've mentioned Trev once today. Sorry, Trev. I, you deserve some more love than that. I apologize. It's all good. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, my man? You know, I'm living. Hey, really quickly, can I ask, why did the Pistons not trade anybody at the deadline? Do you have an answer for that? I wish I did. I thought uh, Bogey was going to be gone. I thought so, too. That's kind of interesting that they're just... Standing pat. Oh, wait. Well, and a lot wait. of teams could have used them. They kind of had them at their mercy, whatever they wanted. Myself. You guys might get James Wiseman. Might get. But yeah, it depends on if that 14 uh, trade goes yeah, through. The whole 14 trade. It's a mess. Trev's great. Trev's great. He's here every weekend doing the good stuff for us. And Piston's not so great. Nah, this, uh, Sorry. I, we didn't have to go there. Sorry, Just, Trev. We're going after Victor, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... This whole Cardinals coaching search—it's created a lot of. I'm, it's created a lot of buzz, but it's all negative buzz, right? It's why are they taking so long? It's why are these candidates here, and then all of a sudden they don't want to be here? What is what is the what is the underlying reason as to why all of these options are saying no? And it seemed ominous at first. They hired Monty Austin for it. He was about to get introduced, and then on the weekend, it was reported. That Ian Cunningham, who is with the Bears organization and was interviewed for the job, he was reportedly the top candidate for GM. Now, I think he I even Michael heard they offered no. it to him. Right. And he said no. And he said no. And you're thinking, okay, well, Monty seems like a good guy. He gave a great press conference, all that good stuff. Fine and good. Fine and dandy. Whatever. We're a month into his tenure. Now this coaching search is going along. And D'Amico Ryans cancels an interview on the day of the NFC Championship game. Sure, that makes sense. And maybe it was... Why did he schedule it on the day of the game anyway? Maybe it was all along. He just wanted to go to Houston. He didn't want to talk to anybody else. He had made it clear that the Texans is who he wants to work for. Right. Sean Payton. All the buzz about that Thursday, that in-person visit. Michael Bidwell reportedly takes him up in a helicopter, does the Sunset Tour. Choose the Broncos instead. Dan Quinn. Oh, he's the automatic new favorite for the job, right? And they had a really good interview. They really like what Dan Quinn had to say. Oh, no, hold on. He wants to just stay in Dallas and be their D.C. Okay. And then there was the weird one. And by far, probably the tipping point of this all for me, the Cardinals were down to their three finalists at the beginning of the week. And by Monday, they were down to two finalists. So on the day that we heard the reported three finalists for the job, Mike Kafka, Lou Anarumo, Brian Flores, Brian Flores found a new job. He's now the Vikings defensive coordinator. And I really, really, really wonder why 
so many people, whether directly or indirectly, have told the Cardinals no. It's not only that. Think about how many candidates the Cardinals interviewed that were former head coaches. Brian Flores. Dan uh, Quinn. Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, Sean Payton, Frank Reich. Yep. They interviewed at least five. That's five off the top of my head. There might have been another one or two that I'm forgetting. But they interviewed a bunch of guys who have been head coaches before. Yep. Would probably like to get back to being head coaches. In fact, some of them are going to be head coaches again because they took other jobs. Sean Payton in Denver. Yep. Frank Reich in Carolina. Uh, Flores is going to be in D.C. Dan Quinn's taking his old job back. So a couple of formers. What does it say that the the fact that former head coaches looking to get back into that level of the profession said no? All of the candidates that they interviewed that were former head coaches said no or took other jobs, which in essence is them saying no. So then you immediately, what does that say you about immediately this? have to wonder, OK, what is said in the interviews or who is saying what or who is learning what? I know everybody likes to, and when I say everybody, I mean a lot of negative Cardinals fans just from what I've seen on Twitter going through Burns and Gamble the past couple of weeks. A lot of negativity around the quarterback and a lot of assumption that, oh, these coaches don't want to come here because Kyler. Well, that's what Terry Bradshaw said Sean Payton told him. Now, <laughs> Terry Bradshaw's a bit of a loose cannon. We have but... <laughs> to understand who Terry Bradshaw is nowadays. I don't think that's totally fair to Kyler because... No. Yes, you're going to be saying to a head saying yes to a head coaching job where he is your quarterback, but he's not going to be your quarterback for the start of this season. You're going to have to figure that out later. Maybe that is a presented challenge for some of these candidates. Maybe that's why they're saying no because they don't want to come into a situation that has so much unknown at the beginning and then have to figure out their plan going forward with the guy who is right now the face of this franchise. Is there any chance I was right all along about Michael Bidwell and the reputation that he may have around the league? I don't have any sources that tell me that this is how candidates felt about him or anything like that, but I'm just putting the pieces together. Is there a chance that people don't want to work for Michael Bidwell because of the one year that he gave Steve Wilkes, which we all agree was a terrible year. Wilkes deserved to get fired. It had nothing to do with race. Getting sued. Well, it might. It might. He's getting sued for it. Well, I know. I understand that that's what they're saying, but we all agree that was a horrible year. Everyone deserved to go. Sure. But it's still firing a coach one year into what was it? A four or five year contract. I think it was a four year. Typically a four year. Yeah. They give an extension to Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, and both of them are gone after. After one year after the deal was done. But you and I both agree that if it's us, for example, or any other, I don't know, this is going to sound harsh, but competent person, we're not making those extensions. No, 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 no. I wouldn't have done the deal. I would have fired them, even given the deal. So I still think Michael Bidwell did the right thing in the end. But you got to understand the reputation that it's building. Yeah. That you're giving out four-year contracts, six-year extensions or whatever they were. And still firing guys on a very short hook. And even if it's the right decision, what candidate looks at that and says, you know what? I I feel safe there. I would like to go be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, even though I know that I'll be judged harshly in my first year. And I'm not going to have my starting quarterback for maybe half, maybe the full season. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's likely, but I'm hoping it's not likely. What coach would want to jump into that? To be judged so critically on your first year when you know your first year might be partially a throwaway. Well, there is slight optimism in this pessimism. 
Cliff Kingsbury is going to make $40 million next year, and he doesn't have to do a damn thing. Or over the next three years and doesn't have to do a damn thing. Like, like yeah, crap. I got fired, but he's paying me a ton of money, and I don't have to do anything now. Yeah, but and, and I understand the money, and I certainly don't feel bad for Cliff Kingsbury or anything like that. But a lot of coach candidates around the league, whether it's Dan Quinn or Frank Reich or Brian Flores or whoever— they look at that job. They're not signing the dotted line so that they can get fired in six months to a year no, and I make get, bank. I, I, I mean, part of it was half joking, but that you just seems how, to be the trend that's going. You know how Cliff felt in the end? Look at all the reporting out there. Cliff was in a rut. He was tired. He was exhausted. He didn't like the position he was I mean, in. You could he see wanted it, to fight his way out of it. You could see it on his face. It was so week. evident. He would he like he wasn't getting sleep. So then let's revisit the question: Who wants to take on that job? Because it's the same job. Yeah, it's the same situation Cliff was in at the end of the season. Forget about the contracts and the extension and all that stuff. It's the same job at the end of the day. Well, the somebody ro- has to take Cliff Kingsbury's job, and Cliff Kingsbury hated that job. The roster the is severely weaker. Let's let's not overlook that. This roster is now going to be significantly weaker than it was last year and even the year before them when they won 11 games. The, and I think that's a massive difference for Sean Payton. He'll, they'll never admit it. But I think a massive difference as to why Sean Payton took the Broncos' job is look at their roster. Yeah, you've got this magnificent rut and problem with your $250 million quarterback, Russell Wilson. But the rest of the roster is pretty darn good. I tweeted the other day, uh, maybe if the Cardinals aren't happy with what's left, the candidates that they have remaining, maybe they should just go find an interim coach for a year. Oh, God. Maybe you bring back Bruce Arians. Oh, God. No, okay. And here's what I did. I tweeted at Bruce Arians, and I said, hey, Bruce, what are you doing for the next 12 months? Yeah. Of course, I didn't get any response on Twitter. Well, he was on Wolf and Luke this week. So I texted him. I texted Bruce Arians. Not okay. about not about that specifically, but I was trying to get him on one of the many shows that I'm involved in sure. here at the stations uh, for Super Bowl week. And I talked to him very briefly, but I talked to him and he basically told me I'm, I'm really busy. You know, I'm out at the golf tournament. I'm doing foundation stuff, all the stuff. Right. I thought what was hilarious was the uh, two emojis that he ended the conversation with. And they make perfect, perfect sense. Uh. A thumbs up followed by a glass of whiskey. That's what he sent me. And I, that was the most B.A. thing any, I'd ever seen. Is there a cigar emoji with that? But my, my, my broader point, I'm not being too serious about the Bruce Arians thing, but here's the point. You could have hired Mike Kafka or Lou Anarumo any of the last two weeks. And yep. by not doing that, you've put yourself completely behind the eight ball when it comes to building a staff around them, which is a super important thing for a brand new first-time head coach, is the staff. Like... And you know, you've already got coaches leaving for other places. Here's the thing. You know where everybody's focus turns as soon as the Super Bowl's done if you're an NFL nut? The draft? The Cardinals have the third overall pick in two months. Yeah. And they only have a general manager right now. And that an assistant pick, general manager. That pick is massively important to helping restructure this franchise. Right? Because there are generational defensive talents that could be had at that number three spot. There is a bevy of picks that you could possibly recoup if you opt to trade down. There are so many different ways that you could go about this number three overall pick, and that's the immediate focus for every NFL team as soon as the Super Bowl is done. And what do the Cardinals have to prepare themselves for it? To your point, an assistant GM, a GM, and an owner 
and that's it. By the way, one quick nugget. I, I, I think I saw it on PHNX uh, that it's reported that Buda Baker and one other player on the defense. I forget who it was. Well, I'll tell you who, and oh, I'll, let you him, have I'll let him speak for himself. I'm uh, excited to see whoever it is. Uh, you know, uh, Buda and everyone expressed how they wanted to be VJ. Obviously, we wanted to be VJ uh, just because we've been around him. You know what I mean? He's a great coach for us. Um, but, yeah, whoever it is, you know, we're excited to have him. So it's, it, it's windy at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. That's linebacker Zayvon Collins. Okay, so Zayvon Collins Vouching for tells himself, them. Buda, and others to have VJ as their next head coach, VJ being Vance Joseph. I find that interesting for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the the team and the defense in particular really really likes Vance, and I think Michael Bidwell did too. He's out of the running at this point. He's already been told that. Yep. But if you didn't take Buda Baker's advice on who to hire as head coach, whose advice are you going to take? Why would you take Kyler Murray's? Ooh. Buda's the better leader. Buda's your untouchable right now. Kind of. I mean, Kyler's a little bit on touch. Um, contractually. Is he? Contractually. But that's it. Like, Buddha's he's also a, your quarterback. Buddha's a guaranteed untouchable. I just found that interesting. interesting. Coming up next, Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. <laughs> Mitch Ferelvis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It came together really, really quickly. Um, I would say it was a couple days before um, we actually made the deal. Um, we connected on, on multiple things, but, you know, it was the subject of KD potentially, you know, being in Phoenix um, was something that he wanted to pursue and something that the Nets were open to discussing. And so we started having conversation, and they went really, really quickly. That was James Jones, president of basketball operations and general manager of the Phoenix Suns, on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. Talking about the acquisition of none other, Steve, than Kevin Durant. I've, and, heard, I've heard of that guy. And TJ Warren, with respect to Tony Buckets, who both of them, by the way, are at the practice facility as we speak. Meaning that, like, it, this is it's real. Like This is real life. It's happening. I can't believe it sometimes. Kevin Durant is, is a life. Phoenix Sun. I'm just how many times do I need to say that? Just for keep saying. Like, Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. It makes me feel good. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. Go ahead and pinch yourself. <laughs> Ow. Okay. So we're here. Now what? Right? Is this the biggest trade in Arizona sports history? Yes. What's up there with it? Charles in, Barkley. In Arizona sports history? Yeah. Charles Barkley. Getting Chuck. Yes, because was that, that, was a fle- that was a fleecing of Philly. He went on to win the MVP and led them to the finals for their first, their second time in history. First since the, uh, what was it, 75? 75, I want to say. Randy Johnson? That was a big trade with Houston. Or, if you want to throw another trade in there uh, from the Diamondbacks, uh, getting Gonzo in exchange for Kareem Garcia. That worked out I pretty mean, well. That's a trade that worked out. I don't know that Gonzo is on that same. I mean, we're talking about some okay, of the greatest so, players so you're of all time. Status level prior to arriving, right? Well, I mean, and Randy Johnson was good. Randy Johnson showed up and then had four straight Cy Youngs. Okay, and won a title. Shaq, no, wasn't as good at that point in his career. Um, have the Coyotes made it? I mean, the Coyotes a few years ago they got Taylor Hall, but. Was Nash a trade? He was a one-time winner. No, Nash was an off-season signing. Okay. They traded him to Dallas, but then he was an off-season signing. Right, 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 right. 
this might be it. I mean, this is it. Like, okay, yeah, if, you, me. if you're doing your, t- maybe Kurt Schilling too, but if you're doing your tiers, KD's probably one, Barkley, big unit, Schilling. I think some respect has to be given to Shaq because, yes, he wasn't the same player, but he was still Shaq, right? I don't know who else. The only one that I can really compare it to is Randy Johnson. Oh, D-Hop. When the Cardinals acquired D-Hop That's from the Texans. That's a good one. I, I, the reason I don't put it in the same upper echelon is because wide receiver as a position is just, I'm not saying unimportant. It's just, <laughs> if it's a quarterback, yeah, I get it. Now or we're talking we, or about Or are we it. looking at it that way because it hasn't brought the Cardinals anything? Uh, I mean, he's played uh, half the games that he was eligible for, so it okay, was a bit but, of a letdown. But is the conversation about what they were before they came here? or what? I think so. Okay. I think it's then who they are at the moment they were traded for. Then DeAndre Hopkins fits that bill. It's probably in that upper tier. So Randy Kurt, Johnson is in the conversation for me. I mean, he was a five-time All-Star before he ever came to Arizona. By the way, he was 35 when he came to Arizona. He was not young. It was 2000, right? That they got him? Uh, 1999. From Houston? They got him from Houston. This God, says, what was that trade? I'm very curious what they had to give up well, to this get This says him. he was in Houston in 1998 and in Arizona in 99. So it happened in the offseason. Was it a trade? I thought it was, but I, th- I don't know. I think Kurt Schilling was trade. a trade. Okay, maybe I'm wrong about Randy Johnson then all along. But that's like the level of acquisition that I'm talking about. If you want to talk about acquisitions, whether it's signings or trades... Then you're talking Steve Nash goes into the mix. Uh, man. Cardinals have never really had anything. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, you're right. J.J. Watt was already kind of on the back nine. Oh, are you ready for this? This is a trade. Okay. Traded to the Philly, traded from the Phillies to the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Omar Dahl, Nelson Figueroa, Travis Lee, and Vicente Padilla. That's Schilling? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. That's a great trade. But I think Kevin Durant stands above all trade. the others. Well, he definitely does. We haven't seen him play yet, but he definitely does. And stand I think above when all is said and done, and let's say Kevin Durant is retired in, I don't know, five years or whatever. I, I kept hearing about the pick swap that they got in 2028, that the idea is that he'll be gone by then, that he'll be retired by 2028. It's so let's say, let's say he's in the league another four or five seasons. Kevin Durant, at the end of this, is going to be a very upper tier in scoring all time. I think he's already widely considered one of the most uh, electric scorers that basketball has ever seen. He's a pretty darn good defensive player, which only gets overshadowed by his offense, I think. So mm-hmm. it's not like you took this huge step back defensively by acquiring him. I think this is probably the biggest trade Arizona sports has ever seen and maybe the biggest one that it ever will. It's that big. And Matt Ishbia did it 12 hours into his first day as owner. So Kevin Durant, Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's up there. Kurt Schilling. Yep. They won the title that year, right? Um, DeAndre Hopkins. I feel feel like that's it. Randy Johnson was a free agent signing, so he wasn't traded. I thought that was a trade for something. He he was eventually, oh, Tim Ring, our good buddy Tim Ring. Yeah. Chris Paul. Nope. No. No. Are you sure? Yeah, and I've actually been a big proponent of that for a while because at the time that they made that deal, I think he was top five in MVP voting the year before. Uh, So I do think that that's worth mentioning. It's in the conversation. 
But much like J.J. Watt, I think we realize now that Chris Paul was probably in the back nine at that point in time. But Kevin Durant went, might but be, But they too. went to the finals that year. I realize what ended up happening. I'm talking about the player and the caliber at that point in their career. He was, he's really, really good. He's really, really good, but I'm not putting it on the same level as Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley. I'm just not putting it there. Okay. But he's, he's uh, I'll put him right there behind uh, this group and DeAndre Hopkins. I'll put him in the same category, I guess, but it's not the same level. It's, it's not the, it's, it's not Kevin Durant. I mean, those might be the most impactful And Durant's ones. in his mid-30s. I mean, I, I think he, there's an argument to be made. He's on the back nine. I just said that he might be gone in four or five years. But before he got hurt, he was playing at an MVP caliber level. Right. So, like, he was still playing like Kevin Durant. And you know what? To Tim's point, so was Chris Paul. So maybe you should put that in the same in the same category. I feel, I feel like there's just like a lot of um, in between the weeds stuff with this whole what were they when the team that acquired them got them. Well, and there's some recency bias too, right? Like yes. so, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. We're just coming off of a season where he spent six weeks suspended for PEDs. That certainly that's just it. I feel like we're thinking more about what happened after than what he was yeah, before he arrived. Right. It's recency bias. And, and the like, same with Chris Paul, because we've gotten to the point where we were discussing a week ago. Would you trade Chris Paul for Kyrie Irving? Right. Which also would have been one of the biggest trades in Arizona sports history if that had happened. So, yeah, Tim's probably right. It, it deserves to be talked about in the conversation. But I uh, again, I don't put it on the same level as Durant. I really don't. No, I think Durant has officially become the number one acquisition by any Valley sports team via trade. I mean, think about it, too. At the NBA level, this might be the most impactful trade of a player either at this level of play or otherwise since Shaq got traded from the Lakers to the Heat. It just might be of that level. Kawhi Leonard got traded. From the that was pretty. I mean, they won a they won a championship. But now we're thinking about the after. I'm thinking about the guy that he like. Shaq was an unstoppable force in L.A. Yeah, and because of a fight with Kobe Bryant, he became a member of the Miami Heat. I get that. Kawhi also won a championship before he got traded. I mean, but he was not Shaq level. You can throw in there Kevin Garnett getting traded from Minnesota to Boston. Yeah. But I don't think he's at the same level of Shaq. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's at the same level of Shaq at that time. In Chris Paul's moved around a couple of times. That's one of the greatest point guards of all time. Chris Paul going to the Clippers? I mean, you Could have go, been the Lakers, but not We're just talking Clippers. recent history. I mean, there's some guys who got traded well, back in the day. Well, that's that, what I'm saying. It's since. Right. Like, it's the most impactful since. And Shaq would have been the earliest in 04, 05. Yeah, and if you're just talking specifically Arizona sports, it's the biggest since Charles Barkley. I think. In Arizona sports history, yes. If not Barkley, then Schilling. Because Schilling was at the top of his game for the Phillies at that point. That's fair. Coming up next, do you know there's the, the a football game tomorrow? I, I heard about that. Well, we'll just give our thoughts on it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's been a busy week for Valley Sports, to say the least. Mitch and Steve back here with you. Final segment on this edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. It is the final Saturday before the Super Bowl, which uh, (laughs) I don't know about you, Steve. Kind of snuck up on me. Not going to lie. Like, oh, yeah, the Super Bowl is uh, tomorrow, isn't it? I hate how they give the one week off. Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl is uh, it's here in uh, Glendale, isn't it? It's like just long enough for us to forget that football is still happening. 
and then they bring it back in with a Super Bowl. Just when I think I'm out. The big game. Whatever we're calling it. They pull me back in. Isn't that the Pacino line? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, But yeah, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. They've both been here all week. It's been a frenzy, to say the least. Uh, The combination of the media members that have traveled into the Valley uh, with all of the fans of both sides and even just football fans in general because they know how great Phoenix is this time of year. Waste management open. Yes, fans alike, golfers. Uh, there's a brand new owner uh, introduced to the Phoenix Suns this week, and then they acquired Kevin Durant that very night from the Nets. No big deal. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on. So it almost feels like at least locally, I won't say nationally, but at least locally, and at least to myself, the Super Bowl kind of got buried this week with everything going on. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, buried is an easy one. I, I think for me, uh, people are so focused locally. I mean, if, you, if you're here physically, then you're probably going out to the open. Maybe you're there right now and you're listening. Thanks so much. We appreciate you checking us out. Uh, the open takes a, a lot of that attention away. But then also, too, they try to play earlier so that on Sunday people can get home. Oh, of course. I think usually it ends within like 45 minutes to an hour of tip off or of a kickoff. And the tickets so, are cheaper on Sunday, too. Yeah, so hopefully you can, you can witness both if that's what you're trying to do. Um, certainly the media attention and like everything that goes on downtown Phoenix and the convention center and the NFL experience, that all takes some of the attention away as well. Uh, what they hope is that it builds it builds momentum heading into the Super Bowl. It builds excitement. Yeah. It gets people ready for the Super Bowl. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm not going down there to the NFL experience to get into the Super Bowl mood. I'm already in football mode. I would just prefer we don't take the week off and get rid of all the Pro Bowl stuff that they do now, the dodgeball and all that other stuff that doesn't need to happen. I, I mean, I'll give them credit for trying to find creative ways to get people to play football without playing football. But I, it's... I could do without it. Just put out a list like college football it does. It doesn't get me excited anymore. Just give me a list of who the good players were. I heard an idea to introduce a third all-pro team. For so what? They have two, well, no. They, let me explain. They have two all-pro teams already, like AP votes on them. Oh, okay. Of like who are the best of the best, yeah, the yeah, all-pro yeah. team. Somebody suggested introduce a third team. You know, you have your first team, you have your second team, and your third team. Kind of like the NBA and that, does? And then just eliminate the Pro Bowl. Doesn't the NBA do that? Maybe. They have three teams, Or they right? do two. No, oh, yeah, you're right. They have three teams because there's so few I, it's players. But it's just a list. I just need a list. I don't need to watch them play dodgeball. Okay, but it's significant in basketball, right? Because it, it determines who gets what kind of money. Devin Booker's not getting a Supermax contract unless he's a first-team All-Pro last season. Okay, this is why I think it's incredibly stupid who we named to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Tyler Huntley... <laughs> Went to the oh, Pro Bowl, it, it, and he only had two more touchdowns than I did. When that was announced, that ruined everything for Where's me. Where's my invite? Why didn't I get invited to the Pro Bowl? Well, you should have thrown two touchdowns. But, to but to your point, like, Pro Bowls used to matter, right? Like, I'm on the uh, uh, profootballreference.com page for Patrick Mahomes right now. He's got okay. five seasons as a starting quarterback. Yep. Uh, all five of them, he went to the Pro Bowl. And I'm Shocker. starting to question, he obviously deserved it, but I'm starting to question how we utilize these because in the end game, what do we do with Pro Bowl numbers or all-star game appearances? We credit them as we far as their them, resume. We use them as a resume, exactly, for whether or not they belong in the Hall of Fame, 
uh, for where we rank them all time, like we were doing last segment, the biggest names to ever get traded in Arizona sports history. Those are the things that matter. We use them to quantify value. And now I can't do that because Tyler Huntley is playing. No offense to him. I think he's a fine player, but he's a backup quarterback. He like, no barely played. To, dude, to your point, he's a backup. And this isn't even about him. Derek Carr played in the Pro Bowl games, whatever that means. He played in them, and his team doesn't even want him he anymore. He got benched the final two games of the year. How are you going to convince people that are watching the Pro Bowl games that Derek Carr is one of the best of the best in the NFL? Oh, by the way, his team doesn't want him anymore. <laughs> Currently doesn't have a home. Like, that's, I, that's the Pro Bowl? Really? And you can't even put people from the, the top two teams in the league can't be in the Pro Bowl, whatever it is now, the right. games, because they're busy playing in the Super Bowl. Just put out a list. That way nobody can sit out from the list. Put out a list of the best players. It's what college football does every year. Nobody throws a fit. I get that you got to play dodgeball so that something's on TV. I get that they need to do something to make money. But come on, man. Just to emphasize another point, remember when we were going to talk about the Super Bowl? Yeah, and then we didn't. We talked about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, we got about two minutes left to talk about the Super Bowl. I'll say this. You know why I'm rooting for the Chiefs? Because I'm on the side of history. Because I like to see narratives play out. We love to hate, right? Like here in the in this in this market, we hated Tim Duncan because of all the times he beat the Suns. We hated mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. because of all the times he beat the Suns. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the end of their career. Tom Brady, th- this week, retires. Everybody hated Tom Brady because he won so freaking much. But everybody's crying about it, right? We get to the end of his career, and we all say, man, we're so lucky we got to witness that guy play, right, during our lifetime. I didn't get to see Joe Namath play, or, or, or most of the Montana era I didn't get to witness. We're going to feel the same way when LeBron James finally calls it, right? Why can't we all just... Understand in the moment what we're watching is completely historic. If Patrick Mahomes goes and wins his second Super Bowl, that's huge. That's what I want to see happen. As a Broncos fan, I don't. But I get your point as far as history is concerned. And if Andy Reid beats his former team, how cool is that? Yeah, there's actually some very underlying tension between Reid and the Eagles organization. Apparently, when he made his exit, he didn't actually want to leave. Supposedly. Of course not. Well, there was some other stuff going on. But it'll be interesting to see. I'll take the Chiefs, though. I can't doubt Patrick Mahomes. Every time Hassan Reddick does something great, it makes me feel worse about the Cardinals. You're telling me. Hey, thanks so much for checking out the show today. Maybe you're on your way out to the open. Everybody stay safe this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. For my buddy Mitch Farrell, this is for Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.